each one of us, in unity, we glorify you tonight. You know, when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. He taught them a prayer. And it could have started with King, our King. It could have started with our friend. It could have started with our Lord. Because all those things are true of God. But when he was teaching him to pray... He said, address God as Father, our Father. And yes, we come to you as King, but we come to you as Father. And by the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father, to you tonight, Lord. We thank you, you adopted us as sons and daughters into your family. And there might be someone here tonight thinking, I messed up this week or last week. And you can get into a mindset of God adopting you and unadopting you and adopting you and unadopting you. But there is no such thing. Adoption happens once and it happens forever. There is no such thing as unadoption. You become, when you believe by the Holy Spirit, you become a child of God. And by that spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did for us. We thank you for your blood that you shed on the cross to cover us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be restored, so that we can be made whole, so that we can be transformed into your image, so that we can live in the potential, the God-given potential that you've given each one of us. And we thank you for your truth that's going to go out tonight, Lord. We thank you for Pastor Tony. We thank you for your word that it's life to those who find it and it's healing to all their flesh. We thank you for people getting healed tonight, being set free, chains being broken, mindsets being renewed. We love you, Lord. We're so excited for what you're going to do here tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You have your way in each one of us. We love you, we love you, we love you, and we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's give Jesus a hand. Yeah, welcome everyone. It's good to see you all. My name's Dorian, if I haven't met you. And just want to welcome you tonight. And we're in for an awesome night. And um, yeah, so good to see you all. And if you, you're new here, maybe it's your first or your second time, special welcome to you. Uh, a couple of announcements just before we hear from Pastor Tony. Kids are going into the kids' room up the back. It's for ages four and up. They're welcome to join the kids. If you do want to see them during the service, use the other door. Don't try not to go through this door as it just disrupts the service. There is another church service downstairs that is running whilst we finish up. So as you're exiting the building, just try and keep the volume down. And uh, I think that's it. No other announcements from me. Who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Yeah. Who loves Pastor Tony? Isn't he the best now? He, he loves himself. Okay. All right. Why don't we welcome up Pastor Tony as he brings the word tonight? Can we stand for a sec? Just stand. Take you back to the old churches. Up. Just put that table there. I want to read this. I just feel that. Something and arouses your flesh that something looks good when it's not really good for you. He eats and then his eyes are open. So it's the disobedience in the garden 
that causes all this grief we have today. I had a, a fellow tell me once, he says, oh, you Christians believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus and, and you know, you condemn the whole world to hell because you don't believe in Jesus. And so, so God sends his son, ooh, he goes like this to me, ooh. I was nearly in that tree ready to go, ooh. But I ended up in that tree and go, ooh. But either way, there was a ooh. But he was telling me that his, his mindset was God is evil and God is a judge. And because he sent Jesus on this world, and if I don't believe in him, I'm going to hell. But the mistake he made was that it wasn't that Jesus came on into the world to condemn the world, because the world already stands condemned. The, the, the issue is that the solution of our sickness, the solution of our pain, the solution of our disease, which is called sin and, and unrighteousness and rebellion, it all came from the garden. And people were, why should I pay for Adam's sin? Okay, don't pay for Adam's sin. Have you ever sinned? Yeah, pay for yours then. Because we are a replica of our father. See, evolution is trying to work out how we got here and they're telling you all these formulas. But for, for many years, they thought the world was just created by millions of years of evolution and expansion and one random act of a mistakes happened to another random act of a mistake and all these mistakes happened and we got this com complex human being body. Anyway, I'll stop there. But the Bible says there was a beginning. Then they invented the Hubble telescope and they looked out, wow, there was a big bang, there was a beginning. So, so far we've agreed with the Bible. Science has changed, but God hasn't changed. There was a beginning. And in this story, talk about how Adam sinned and condemnation reigned through the world. The Bible says that when he sinned, the Bible says that God said to Adam, because of you, Adam, the ground is cursed with thorns and thistles. Because of you. But thank God for God's grace, even in the garden. We've got this idea that God hated Adam so much, he kicked him out and put a, an angel there with a sword. If you come near us, I'll chop your head off. But the scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says that God put a cherubim in front of the tree of life with a flaming sword, swinging it every which way to protect the way. In other words, he was protecting that tree or the, the, it's a type and shadow that we can't, if, if Adam eats from that tree, sin entered. If he eats from this tree, he stays in that state forever for immortality forever, the Bible says. So God had to protect him and send him out of the garden. And we know the, the, the redemption plan of God was that the Bible says that the lamb was slayed before the foundation of the world. God already had an exit strategy for us because he knew we were going to mess up. And the angel was to protect the way. It's interesting that an angel appeared to Mary and said, you're going to have a son, his name is Jesus, and he'll be God with us, Emmanuel. It's interesting when Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again, Mary went to the tomb and saw angels. The angels were reporting, that, I'm going to show you the way back to the garden. I'm going to show you the way back to the tree of life. See, it wasn't a physical tree that they're going back to. They're going back to Jesus. He is the tree of life. He says in John, he goes, in him was light, and that light was the light of man in John, sorry, in John chapter 1. In him was life, and that life was the light of man. And that light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. Don't be upset when you've given your life to Jesus and people don't understand you anymore because there's light in you and, the dark, and their darkness won't comprehend it. They'll never understand you. You're no longer of this world. Condemnation hit the world. Condemnation and... What is Condemnation. I've got a little couple of meanings here I looked up. The verdict or the, or the judgment of guilt. Sentencing or judgment with punishment. I can, condense, I, can, I can condemn someone for their actions, but the condemnation the Bible talks about is that when Adam sinned, a judgment came upon the world. There was a sentencing in heaven that if you eat, you will die. The Bible says that they didn't die physically, but they started to die spiritually. They were dead people walking. Remember the prodigal son story? The son does the runner, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Then he comes back home. And the older son's saying, but you put a party for this guy, you killed the fatted calf, and this son of yours, this son of yours, this son of yours, and I don't break any laws. I work in the fields and 
You never even give me a goat to eat with my friends. And the father, the son's in this, operating out of this tree, out of knowledge and good and evil. Hopping out of, this tree represents the flesh and the curses of the flesh and the curses of the world. That tree represents Jesus and him crucified. And he says, you do this, you do that for him. And the father says this, poor son, you don't know what he's like. You know, he's only the youngest, we spoiled him. Did he say that? Did he say, well, you know what? You know what? You know, maybe you're right or maybe we should punish him. Did he say that? No, no, he says, this son of yours, he says, my son, your brother was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, now he's alive. See, the father saw him as dead. Not dead to him, but he was in a dead space. He was lost. He didn't know he was lost. He didn't make any excuses. He just received him back home. See, if you're living out of this knowledge and good and evil, which most Christians live out of today, why? We want to sow to this tree, but we want to reap off that tree. We want to sow to the flesh, but reap a harvest in the spirit. It doesn't work. But the Bible says that condemnation reigns through the world. Now, is this fan on? This fan on? How do you turn this thing on? There we go. This fan represents condemnation from the minute Adam sinned from this tree, ate from this tree. So this side is technically condemnation. Sorry, guys. And this guy is the spirit. Oh, yeah, a few blokes should be sitting over there. No, I'm joking. But no, no, no. This, this side, this tree, from the effects of what the disobedience of man, condemnation is reigning through the world. Through Adam, through Seth. We can go through all the genealogy, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We can go through David and Solomon and all the way up to Jesus. Condemnation has been reigning throughout history. God comes every now and then in and he puts a blockage in the way. He brings a sacrifice. He gives them uh, laws. Noah built an ark and saved his, his eight fr uh, family. We've got all these different, but ultimately condemnation is still reigning in the earth. Jesus comes along. And this is the beautiful picture. Where's Amen? Come, Amen. He's the only one closest to Jesus. He got shorts on. The Bible says that in that in seventeen, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him, not Amen, Jesus, they might be saved. Stand in front of the fan for me. For he who believes in Him. For he who in him is not condemned. Anyone that believes in Jesus is not condemned. Any man be in Christ is a? Sorry? No longer you live, but Christ lives in you. So when Jesus came on the cross, he stood in front of condemnation. Condemnation still reigning on the earth, but Jesus stood in front of condemnation. So any man be in Christ is a new species, and condemnation doesn't hit me anymore. That's where you say amen. But condemnation still reigns. Grab my shirt, amen. Every time I try to go this way, into con he brings me back. Why? He loves me. But I can always say, leave me alone. He's still got me, but I can start, start eating off that tree and walk in condemnation. Romans 8 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. See, Jesus has taken my condemnation. I, does that make sense? Does that make sense? The work of the cross took my condemnation. But condemnation is still reigning on the earth because that was from the seed of Adam. Are you with me? So when Jesus came, you can sit down. Thanks, brother. Give me a hand. A clap. You'll be back shortly. When Jesus came on the earth, he said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I come to save it because it stands condemned. When you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saying, I'm not interested in your solution. I'll do it my way. And God says, oh, you can have it your way. No problem. But you're under condemnation. See, a lot of Christians are walking in condemnation till this day. See, every time you eat off this tree, you walk in the, the fruit of the tree. The Bible says it's good and evil, bad and good. Have bad people did some good things on this earth? Hitler did some good things. He read his history. He fed his people. Saddam Hussein did some good things. Al Capone did some good things. 
but they're living off this tree. Most Christians live off here. Now, this week, Brother Rabs did something special for someone. He was obedient and he blessed someone. He was obedient to the Lord and he blessed a young man. And it's been the talk of the town this week. One of the things I want to know is, what about me? It isn't fair. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> the thing is, by the grace of God, we've been saved. Amen. Does anyone understand grace? Because there ain't a cover-up for sin. Grace is the unmerited favor of God to get us through condemnation. Let's read this. First, uh, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. I'm jumping ahead because I'm excited about this message. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and con conveyed us into the kingdom of his son. My translation says transferred, same thing. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 too. And he did not, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is good, acceptable and perfect will of God. The Colossians talks about being rescued from darkness a kingdom or a structure or a worldly system, whatever way you want to put it. And we've been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son, which is light. Are you with me? One speaks of rescuing, salvation through the cross. And one speaks here of me being transformed. I can't transform myself. So let's get that clear. But if I don't put myself into the position to be obedient to the will of God, I will never be transformed. See, I can conform even in the church. I can say the right things, dress the right way, smell pretty, give my, say all the nice things, but I'm only conforming. But God doesn't want people to conform like sheep. God wants us to be transformed into his, so we can be sons and daughters. We have to emanate him. But transformation, look, I write here transformation as a, a meaning, as a definition. Transformation is the act, act or process of changing completely. Or a complete change. The Apostle Paul thought he was doing God a favor by killing Christians and arresting Christians. And one encounter with God through Jesus Christ on his horse, he became transformed instantly. He went from being a murderer of the faith to defending the faith or um, preaching the faith. There was a process, obviously, that he learned some things, but he had a transformation. God wanting us to not to conform to the patterns or the structures or the, or the world system that we live in today. That's off that, that's off that system. But to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have you got that photo of that mind? Oh, that one, there it is there. I saw this picture and I love this picture because the systems of the world came from the fall. That everything here is nothing new under the sun. The devil is not doing anything new. We might think it's new, but it's nothing new. He's been trying to control people, murder people, kill people, seduce people from day one. Nothing new under the sun. The Bible says that people have gone astray and their mind are futile, futile, and they've got depraved minds. I heard the other day, the other day that a guy argued that a man, a woman that claims to be a man can be pregnant. Dopey, you can't get pregnant. But they've got a depraved mind and they've got, their mind is not fruitful anymore and they've given them over to darkness because their hearts are evil. This is the garbage we have to entertain now because a man can give birth now. If you can, <laughs> you can't. But this is the garbage. When the Bible says that things are right, unrighteous, they call it righteous. We're living in a world, but there's nothing new under the sun. But this world system, everyone's complying to a world system or the things of the world. You understand that. But unfortunately, in the church, we've become like this now because we conform to the pattern of the church. There's a certain way we have to believe, a certain way. But no, no, no. When Rabs gave that gift to the gentleman in this room, he didn't deserve it. He didn't sow for it. He didn't even pray for it. It was a gift from God. It was the favor of God. See, we are living out of this tree. Well, I sowed, I prayed, God owes me. Owes you nothing. God doesn't bless formula. He blesses relationship. And what we've done, we've taken good principles in the kingdom. Tithing, offering, 
uh, serving one another, loving one another, forgiving one another. We've got all these principles. But what we've done, we've sowed them over here because we say, God, you owe me. We're like the older son in the story where I've never broken your laws. You owe me. I'm not like him who sins. Judgment. He thinks God owes him. And guess what the father said? But everything I have is yours. But he didn't know it. Isn't it sad that most people are saved and set free and they're still walking in condemnation? Because they are sowing to the wrong tree. Not the tree of life. Does that make sense? Can I prove something to you? Can I show you something to you? Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. This is in the New Living Translation. I thought it would be easier to understand. I want to show you how condemnation is still reigning on the earth. But we are no longer, the condemnation is reigning from the point where Adam sinned. But this that kingdom has We've been translated from this kingdom into that kingdom. But unfortunately, we live like we're still here. Unfortunately, we don't understand what God's done for us because we see God, maybe our perception of God is off. See, it's impossible to believe God without faith. Is that true? But I don't have faith in faith. I don't have any faith in my faith. I have faith in God through His Word. And sometimes I can get that faith and turn it into a thing where I'm eating off that tree where I have faith. God should bless me because I have faith. See, the favor of God or the grace of God is unmerited. You do not. If I do a job for you and you pay me, you've done me no favors. I worked, you pay. True? The Bible says that a man's worthy of his wages. That's not favor. That is I earned it, you give it. But when God gives you something that you do not deserve, come on, somebody, that who here can deserve heaven? Who here hasn't sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? But by his mercy, he steps in front of condemnation and he gives me grace, not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, not because I'm a good bloke, but because of his grace and mercy upon my life. You've got to get that right before anything else. And when I understand, see, I didn't understand hell when I was in the world, sinning and carrying on. I understood hell when I got saved. When I got saved, I saw how beautiful he was and how beautiful this kingdom was. I thought, I was going to hell. That's what Paul says, I'm the greatest of all sinners. But because when you have a broken and contrite heart and you see your goodness compared to God's goodness, that does not compare. Let's go to Romans 5, 12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned and brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. Hear me out. I had this question once. This, well, what if we're under Adam's curse? What about the Jews? How can he pick the Jews and he favored them? He goes, no, 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 no. We, but we all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You're going to see this here. We may not have had the law and under the covenant with the God through the, through, the, through the law, but the law condemned anyway. Watch this. Verse 13. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died, speaking about the curse. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did, right? Now, Adam is symbolic or representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a difference between Adam's sin and God's grace, gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift for forgiveness to many of those uh, through those who this other man, Jesus Christ. Through one man's sin, death reigned. Condemnation reigned. Every time you have a baby, that's why it's cute, it's beautiful, it's an angel. No, it's not. It's going to sin. It can't be. I'm oh, sorry, the ones that have had babies. Look, all the, all the kids went, oh, this guy's bad. They're beautiful, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm joking. But that beautiful creature has got a rebellious nature at heart. Because the Bible says every seed produces after its own kind, does it not? If you plant a a seed of an apple, you're not going to get an orange. If you plant a cucumber, you're not going to get a zucchini. If you plant a leb, you're not going to get a Greek. You're not going to get a kebab. You're going to get a euros. What is a euros? 
But everything reproduced off its own coin. So when Adam sinned, guess what? Sin entered and then it was, he was accountable and everyone that was born of Adam or mankind or the son of Adam has, carries that disease called rebellion. Is everyone clear on that? And we're under condemnation. We're under a guilty verdict. But through the other man or the last Adam, it says, that great, the gracious gift of forgiveness to many through his only other man, Jesus Christ. Verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads us, uh, God's free gift leads to our, us being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Through one man's disobedience, sin reigns. If I remain in Adam, let me say it this way. If I don't go out of this kingdom into that kingdom, I get the fruit of what it's deserving, which is condemnation. But when I understand who Jesus Christ is, I understand who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for me by his great mercy. He's taken me out of darkness into light. 17, for the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through the one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one one person's disobeyed God and many became sinners. But because of one person's obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given to that. All people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. The law of God, the Ten Commandments, the covenant God gave the Jews was to show them that you're my chosen people and from your seed, Abraham, from your lineage, the Messiah will come and bruise his heel on the head of the serpent, the devil. But you're not nothing special. You are my chosen and you're an apple of my eye. But guess what? Look at the mirror, Ten Commandments, the Mosaic law, the ceremonial law. When you see that, you see nothing but a wretched person. You've broken every one of those laws. So they're under the curse because of the law and we're under the curse because of Adam. Something has to change. And look what Jesus comes, amen, and sets us free from the curse of the law and the curse of Adam and brings us into one new man. Any man being Christ is a new species. No longer he lives, but Christ lives in him. And the life he lives now is in the faith in the Son of God. Amen? Verse 21. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see the picture and people tell me Adam and Eve is not real. We spend a lot of time on Adam if he's not real. <laughs> we live in condemnation or we live in the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to sow to the flesh, sow to that tree, or we're going to live off that tree. See, it's pretty simple. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. You know, it's interesting, Job. Job was a righteous man. Job was a godly man. And you look at Job, and it can be a very hard book to read. And if you read that book, depending on what circumstance you're in, you can actually interpret many different ways. And I'm not going to break down Job tonight. But one of the things I learned from Job is that what he feared, Job 3, was it 3 something? For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Because Job was righteous. But what he feared came upon him. See, Job would invite his family. One of the things he did was invite his kids. And I'm guessing that if he invited them over for a feast, they were a lot older. And then he would have a banquet and eat with them. And it was a beautiful... Then he would sacrifice. Then he would sacrifice an offering for purification for his kids. Stay there, Jesus. And uh, once they get... <laughs> He was sacrificing an offering for his kids. People have argued about that point. He goes, just in case they sinned or just in case they cursed God in their heart. And what he feared came upon him because his offering, the, the sacrifice was godly, but it wasn't out of faith. It was out of fear. 
He sowed it in fear. He sowed it in the systems of this world. He didn't sow it in faith. God doesn't desire burnt offering. He desires obedience. Samuel made an, uh, performed a, a sacrifice before they go on the war. He did not wait for the prophet. It was not his domain, but did he do something wrong? He was sacrificing to God. That sounds good, yeah? He was doing it from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, not from, the, not from faith and tree of life. And because of that, he lost the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit left him and did not, he did not know it. So we're going to be careful as believers that we don't live out of that tree. Because the Bible says that we are a new creation. We are in a new kingdom. Yeah? When he says, do not conform, that picture again, can you put that picture? Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Okay, so I'm not going to conform to what the world does and how the world thinks and what the world does. When he says world, he's not saying don't enjoy the, don't enjoy the sun rising and setting. Don't enjoy the beach. He's not talking about having a home with your family. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the systems of the world and the way the world does things. Does that make sense? See, from this tree, I can eat some good things, but I'll never be satisfied here. There's no end to be satisfaction here. Get one house, you need two houses. The world tells you interest rates are going up. You better do this. You better do that. And people are running around with like chooks trying to say, I want to, and yet no one's ever happier. The more they get, the less happier they are. You can come into this world and God's given you a purpose and a plan for your life. And God says, I want you to do this. If, if it's your business, you'll be the great businessman with integrity and honor. And you do that. And if it's a ministry or if it's a mom raising children, whatever, do it in the wisdom and the power of God. Don't do it here because he says, I'm not good enough. I haven't done it right. Maybe I've stuffed up. Maybe I did this wrong. Maybe I did that wrong. Maybe that's what that does. And all it does is bring condemnation. I've got this blow here. And the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according, not the flesh, but the spirit. So that's condemnation. While you walk in the flesh, I don't care how good you are. Oh, battery's going flat, DJ. I swear to God, I told you to charge it. He's got no hair. But condemnation hits me. And what we do, we walk in condemnation. We turn on ourselves. I'm not worthy. I haven't done this right. And I'm walking in both the condemnation of the world and the condemnation my heart condemns. And God says, but that's not who I made you. You are a child of God. You live there in my grace and mercy. And we do it to ourselves because the Bible says that we sow to the flesh, we'll reap to the flesh. We sow to the spirit, we'll reap to the spirit. Yanni, just for you. Condemnation. Look at this. Second Peter. I didn't devious this one, so I'll throw a spanner. Second Peter 1 4. Do not conform, until I get that, do not conform to the patterns or the systems, but be transformed. How do I get transformed? By the renewing of the tree in the head, mind. I love that picture because there's the tree of life and there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Most of us think like that and God wants us to think like that. He says, renew your mind. How do I renew my mind? And we can read that through. I surrender to the will of the Holy Spirit that's within me. See, justification is just as if I have never sinned. Justification is the work of Jesus on the cross through the blood. Can someone say amen? Sanctification is the work of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through his word. One is a work of rescue. We said that he rescued us. It's a rescue mission from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And the other one is not to conform to the pun, but be transformed so something can grow in your mind and have the mind of Christ. He the thorns that Adam caused on the garden. The Bible says that because of you, Adam, thorns and thistles will be on the ground. And from the rest of your life, by the sweating of your face, by the sweating of your brow, you're going to toil, but you will eat. So the judgment of God wasn't that harsh. You can still eat, but he had to toil now. He had to sow. He had to reap, toiling, working. Oh, man was made from the dust of the earth. God cursed the earth. Jesus comes along. He's not from the earth. He's from heaven. He gets up and he says, I'm the king of the Jews. They put a crown of thorns on his head. The thorns represent the curse of the land, the curse of the mind, the curse of Adam, who went from having the mind of Christ or the God to the mind of the enemy or the rebellious mind. 
When Jesus took the thorns on his head, guess what he did? He broke the curse off the ground and off man's mind so we could be able to walk into the mind of Christ. Come on. That's the thorns, the curse. Because of you, Adam. And 1 Peter says this, 2 Peter 1 says this, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promise that through the, these you may be partakers, everyone say partakers, of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's saying, if you read it in context, you who are born of his spirit, born from above, have now partaken of his divine nature, that the nature that you had of Adam has been done away with and Jesus has born you into him through his spirit. Now your nature is of God and it's divine and it's, knows, it has the capacity to be taught by the Holy Spirit. But until you got born again, the Holy Ghost couldn't be inside you because he can't live in sin. But when, he, when you were born again, the minute you were washed by the blood, he was able to transform you and bring you into his kingdom and put his spirit on the inside of you. You have no excuse right now if you're struggling. Not Sorry, let me say it another way. Your struggles aren't you, but you have no excuse that God hasn't empowered you because he has empowered you by his spirit. And it's the willing whether you're willing to conform to the pattern of this world or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. No excuses. He's given you partaking. We are partaking. We are partaking of his divine nature. Can I get that wrong any other way? Have I, have I misunderstood that? Can someone tell me? I've partaken of him. The Bible says I'm no longer living. I'm a different species, which means, what does that mean? I'm no longer from the Adam species. My spirit is of God. That's why I'm being born from above. And now my life is his. Now my spirit has the capacity to receive what God wants to teach me through his Holy Spirit. But if I ignore him and start sowing to the tree of life, tree of knowledge of good and evil, sow to the flesh, I won't receive the benefits because I'm sowing to that world. And some people forget who they are. Some people just don't realize who they are in Christ. Some people just don't because the struggles, maybe the where you've come from, whatever it is, I'm here to tell you today, God has not left you as an orphan. He's adopted you into the family. And as an adopted son and daughter, you have every legal right Jesus has. Because in the tradition of the Jew, when a father dies, he gives the inheritance to the son. Guess who? The father sent his son and gave him the inheritance. Jesus is our older brother. And guess what? He shared it with all of us, his brothers and sisters. That's why he has all authorities been given unto me and I give it unto you. So when you reject Christ, you're not going to hell just because you rejected Christ. You've actually denied the rescue plan. So he'll give you over to what you're already in, condemnation. And many of us are living here still. That's why the Bible says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Let's read it, Romans 8. Romans 8, 1. And there's a lot of things to, 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 to back up Romans 8, but everything I've said today about how condemnation came on the world, how we eat from the knowledge of good and evil, how we see, we perceive things as Christians. Oh, look, he's a good bloke, and oh, he's a good girl, and people get into relationships with people. And go, oh, he's a great guy. You don't know his heart. Now, yeah, it's from the, good, from the good tree, but there's also bad. But you, do, you don't want someone from this tree because nothing is ever satisfied. You need someone that God gives you because he comes from the tree of life. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep waters. Holy Spirit only hovers over deep waters, not shallow waters. You may not have comprehended or apprehended the depths of God yet, but your heart is for God, that's deep. It's not about knowing more scripture, but God does not move on shallowness. The Bible says that there's either luke, you're either hot or cold, no more lukewarm. I'll spew you out of your mouth. I can't live my way and say, God bless it. I need prayer. What are you doing? Oh, I live in prayer. I'm going out with the guy. And are you married? No. Are you living with him? Yeah. And you want God to bless it, but you're eating off this tree. God can't bless something he hasn't ordained. He loves you, but he can't bless something he hasn't ordained. Oh, I want to be, I just want to live my life. I had this. I want to live my life. Live it to what? To die? Hey, God, tell me, Tony, we, we, we were running amok as kids and we did this and we did that and we did this and we did that. Okay, yeah, but how many of our brothers never came back? 
How many of our brothers are dead in the grave now because they wanted to live their life? We were blessed that God saved us from that rubbish. I nearly died in a pub when I was about 21 years old. I got into a fight. They strangled me. I went blue. The guy said to me, I thought you were about to pass out. All I could do was hold my, just so I can get a breath in. And they're just laying into me. And I didn't even care about that, but I just could not breathe. I'd, about two seconds from passing out. If I die in that pub, I go to hell. You can say what you want about your life, but I know where I was going. But by God, his mercy and grace. You don't want to live there. God doesn't bless that. God can't bless that. You know why God can't bless it? Because he's cursed it. God blesses where he is here in the spirit. He blesses his children through faith, not through yours. God doesn't bless your formula. God blesses our relationship. Romans 1. Therefore, everyone say therefore. So you've got to know what it's there for. I heard this preacher say it once, I thought I'd just use it. In other words, everything I've just said tonight, therefore, you know where condemnation comes. You know what Jesus has done. You know our faults and what we're doing and where we're living, but we need to live over here. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the, who, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. For those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to be carnal-minded, worldly-minded, is death. But to be spiritual-minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It has wars against God. It cannot comprehend God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But those who are not in the flesh, but you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. For indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you and the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of his life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I would, if I was you, I would read that whole passage every night till you understand what he's trying to say. He's trying to warn us and convince us. And he's also telling you that you're not of that old nature. You're of the new nature. That's not who, that's who you were. This is who you are. And the old nature wants to rise its ugly head. And I'm sorry, I don't care how many times we lay hands on you. I don't care how many times you come up for prayer. It ain't going to change until you want to be changed. It ain't going to change until you allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Because I can't transform myself. I can only submit to the to the motion of transformation. In other words, give my life to Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to be obedient so he can have his way in me to form Christ in me so I have the hope of glory in me. God is good, amen? God is so good. God, with his loving mercy and kindness. See, if I come to God with if all I do is come to God with a need, all I do is come to God with, how can I say this? If I come to God out of the knowledge of good and evil, everything I've ever got, whether I've sowed for it or received it, is not because of me, because of His grace. Everything. Everything. There's not one thing I deserve, but He gives it to me freely. Not one thing I deserve. Ah, but you're a good bloke and you help people. So what? That's what I'm meant to do. Yeah, but you, you give to the poor. So what? That's what I'm meant to do. How can I betray my goodness compared to God's goodness? I don't give. I don't, I don't do because I have to. I don't do because I want to get something. I do because he first gave to me. What he done for me, I can never repay. But all I can do is go and get lost and, and, and edify the body and, and be obedient to him. Everyone thinks God wants your money. God doesn't want your money. 
I want your money. Not joking. God doesn't want your money. He owns the cows on a thousand hills. He has the silver and gold is mine. What are you? But if money owns you, he'll take it off you. He'll get you to give. I know a guy once he was giving and he was the best giver ever. Everyone praised him in the church. And one day the Lord spoke to him and says, stop giving. And he goes, I rebuke you, devil. And it was the Lord. He goes, stop giving. He goes, Lord, you told us to give. They goes, yeah, but it also says that if you don't feed your family, you're lower than a something else. And what he was doing, he was robbing his family. There was, there's bread to eat and there's seed to sow. We need to understand what is our bread and what is our sowing. And he wasn't doing his family. They're starving and they're thinking he's doing God a favor, living in a shack, thinking he's doing God a favor. And all he was doing was destroying his family. His kids grew up and ran away from God as fast as they could because they thought that was God. That's not God. Oh, but you don't know what I've been through. So what? If, you, if God owes you what you've been through, then every poor kid in Africa, God owes them big time. But we live in a fallen world with condemnation. People say, well, what about the pygmy in Africa? Well, let's go there. We'll go get them. I don't want to go there. Well, then stop talking about it. You don't care about the pygmy in Africa. You're just trying. What's that? Who's crying? One guy goes to me, what about the pygmy in Africa? He doesn't know the law of God. I said, yeah, it's true. And he shouldn't go and go, go to hell. I guess, it's true. You said, you agree with me? I said, no, I'm just giving you two minutes of grace before I come here. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, a pygmy. He might not know the Ten Commandments, and he might not know that Jesus came and died and rose again. But humor me for a second. Humor me. If God was to appear and say, I'm God, he goes, who are you? He's not going to tell him about anything else. He's going to say, why did you kill that guy in the other village? He would have said, well, he killed my kid. So why is that wrong? He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, the pygmy in Africa might not know thou shalt not kill, but he doesn't want to be killed. So he kills out of revenge because his son was killed. And these guys are cannibals. So ask a pygmy, does he want to be eaten? And they all say no. That means they know what's wrong. In other words, their conscience condemns them. They know what's right and wrong. Because they want to, because the whole point is if he kills his son, what does he do? In the law of God's in their heart, they go, let's go and get revenge. We'll go kill his son. And then they come back and there's revenge attacks. And then I ask him if they want to be eaten. And I said to this guy, this, I go, have you ever spoken to a pygmy? He goes, no. I said, well, you got this facade that I go, well, if you're so worried about the pygmy, let's go. We'll book a flight, you and I, and let's go preach to him. I don't want to go there. Then, then stop using them as an excuse because you hate light because you're walking in darkness. Listen, you control the conversation. Don't let them control it. God loves that pygmy in Africa more than I do. But you receive Jesus. Oh, but, if they haven't certain, but you've heard the gospel and rejected it. So you be judged on what you've heard. You stand condemned already. But God is a gracious God, amen? His gift is an awesome. He brings it into adoption where we're called sons of God. He brings us into a place where he gives us spiritual gifts from heavenly places. The gifts he's talking about is not laying hands, speaking in tongues. The gifts is adoption as sons through the blood. If you haven't settled the fact that God loves you, and you're his son and daughter, you're going to get nothing else. You're on the treadmill going nowhere. So your heart condemns you. See, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. If you don't get conviction when you sin, you're in a bad place. Conviction is good. Condemnation is bad. Conviction says, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I sit up. Okay. But condemnation says, you know what? I can't get out of this. I'll keep going. So what happens? I go and keep deeper and deeper because I think there's no way out. But the Bible says there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Amen. And I don't know what you're struggling with today. And I don't know where you've been through today. Well, I'm here to encourage you today that God has got you. And if you understand his will for your life, well, I don't know my will. Yeah, he wants to know you as your child. That's the first will, to understand him. So I said, you know the Bible well? Oh, nah, the Bible knows me very well. I read the Bible, but the Bible reads me. And if I understand who he is, I don't walk in condemnation anymore. Condemnation, no more. I no longer flow in the condemnation of this world and the patterns of this world and the systems of this world. Because once I get entrapped there, guess what? There's no end to trying keeping that satisfaction. There's no satisfaction in sin. There's no satisfaction in the flesh.
because it never gets satisfied. It's a beast that can never be satisfied. It's a beast that can never be tamed. The Bible says reckon it dead. It's dead. Kill it. Mortify it. Put it, to, put it to death. When it raises its head, put it to dead again. Declare it dead. But walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit does not mean walking in like, there it is. I've got halo over my head and, and, uh, and oh, Hashanda, don't talk to me. I don't want sinners next to me. I'm in the Spirit. Shut up. The greatest way to allow the anointing to flow is hang out with sinners. Now, there's a lost spirit when they go running around. No, no. What I'm saying is, doesn't mean walking in this airy fairy, you know, like. It means walking in the divine nature of God, in the new nature of God. That, that nature on the inside of you that, that thinks like him and wants to know like him and talks like him. And, and nothing, you've got nothing in your heart but to know, show them the love of the Father and, and tell them truth. A lot of people don't want to hear truth. They want to water it down. Most churches have become from this now. Let's this, this, this not upset anyone. So we can have numbers or whatever it is. No, 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 no. Truth in love. That's what Jesus wants. And that boy say, look, it's going to be all right. And he's drowning. And I've got the, I've, and I've got the answer, which is the, the life raft or the, the life jacket. You'll be okay. Just breathe. Think of trees swinging. And you're going to drown if you don't give him truth. And the truth will set them free. Amen? I'm done. Stand up. I really, really tried tonight for you to understand that without Christ, you live in that state of condemnation. And I really want you to know tonight that we as Christians can walk back into condemnation. It's not that God is putting us under condemnation. We put ourselves back there. And we know where it started from. But we know what the remedy is, don't we? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When I walk in the Spirit, I walk in the nature of God. My nature has the capacity now. My nature has the capacity to hear from the Holy Spirit. You got this wrong teaching out there that the Holy Spirit's going to do it for you. He cannot do it for you. He can only empower you to walk it out. And I know in this room now, there's some, some things that are happening in people's lives that you can't, you're finding it hard to let go of. And it's like that trust issue. If I let go of this, I'm used to this. Or, or, but listen to me. There was a, there was a man who was a, a preacher, a very well-known preacher, and he shared this story. He was addicted to sexual addictions and porn and things like that. And he was serving some of the biggest ministers that we know in this modern day. He walked up to him and one said, I'll pray for you and loved him through it. I one rebuked him and but still prayed for him. And they prayed and this thing wouldn't go away. And this man was a mighty man of God and he was seeing miracles every day and church and traveling and we just couldn't shake this addiction. And one day he was talking to a brother who wasn't a big minister by any means. He just loved God. He says, listen, you need to get real, bro. Here's the keys to my apartment. There's no one in there for a whole week. Go fast and pray and seek the heart of God. Because this guy was feeling condemned every day. But he couldn't shake it. His guy was thinking that this is going to eat me up. And he hated every bit of it. But he couldn't shake it. And he goes and, and, and he tells the story. He goes and locks himself away and starts to pray and fast and seeking the heart of God. And he goes, and for the first two, three days, I was saying, God, take this away from me. I love you, Jesus. Take this away from me. I know you've called me to preach. And I know you've called me to anointed me. And I want to travel the world for you. And I want to do this for you. I want to do that for you. And I can't do it if I have that, that ugly sin in my life. And that was his prayer all day. Went to sleep, woke up. And that was his next day's prayer. Lord, I, and he's fasting and praying and he's telling God all these things. And day three, day four, if I'm getting the story wrong, it was, it was pretty close to day four, I think. He turned down and then he just broke. Three days praying, telling God that he hates this and that. And finally he broke and says, Lord, I give up. And he laid on the ground crying and sobbing. And that's when the Holy Spirit spoke. And he said, you know what? Now I could do something with you. Because for three days, you're telling me how much you need to get rid of this for you to preach and for you to do this and for you to do that. And never once did you tell me that you hated it because of me. And now that you're broken, now I can change you. And God transformed him that instant. He's gone on to be a minister of the gospel for years and family and his kids are in ministry. 
And I love that analogy because he was doing everything out of this tree. I hate this sin. Please help me. Pray for me. <laughs> and yet they're not willing to. They don't hate it because it's dishonoring God or they hate it. You know, they hate it because they know it's wrong. But guess what? It's all about him. Because he wanted to know, get this away from me so I can travel the world for you and preach the gospel for you and do this for you and I'll be your light. And he says, yeah, I don't need you. I want you, but I don't need you. And the minute he fell on his face and cried, he says, Lord, help me. When he surrendered totally, God came in the picture and set him free. And some of us here have not yet surrendered fully. Some people here are hanging on. God says, step in. Step into the, Peter, step off the boat. A lot of us have stepped off the boat, but we've got a bungee cord tied to the boat to make sure that, you know, or we've got one foot in the water, one foot in the boat. Fear will always prevent you from receiving God's best. And I don't care how you dress it. Job, Job was operating here. Job was an honorable man, but Job operated in fear. Whatever he feared came upon him. He did sacrifices just in case he sinned. He never even asked them if they did. He sowed a seed of fear. And we can do that as Christians. We do Christian things and because it's out of fear, not out of faith. Part of it is that we don't understand we're rescued. And part of us don't know how to renew our minds to the mind of Christ. We think God's still playing hide and seek and he's not. Don't be conformed to the patterns, the structures, and the way the, thing, the world does things. That could be your world. That could be your tradition. That could be your sphere of influence. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation takes place when you surrender to the will of the Father through the Son and let the Holy Spirit do it. Transformation doesn't come with psychology or doesn't even come when things go wrong. See, a lot of Christian mindsets now is, well, this thing's bad's happened to me. God must be teaching me a lesson. Isn't it sad that you have to allow yourself to, to get to a place to learn a lesson when God says, that's not the lesson I'm trying to teach you. Christ on the cross is our lesson. God doesn't put cancer on someone to teach them a lesson. God doesn't send you broke to teach you a lesson. God doesn't need the world. That's the world system. That's fallen man's way. God doesn't need that. He may use that, but he doesn't need it. He needs you to surrender your life to him in the heart of obedience and receive what he's got is the ultimate blessing, the grace of God, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. No one can give it to you. You just must receive it by faith because that's how much he loves you. And then condemnation goes. Because the greatest killer for anyone's walk is condemnation. Going forward here, Rabs will tell you, God's starting us to teach on things bit deeper when it comes to the church and the family and how we walk our life some people aren't going to like it but it's god's way not our way we've done it our way for too long it's got to be god's way but everything's done in love but please the last thing if you don't get nothing get this stop taking the principles of the kingdom and sowing them into the kingdom of the world and expecting a harvest over here can't sow to the world and reap in the kingdom of God. It's either Jesus or nothing. Tonight is the night. You make a decision. You either keep walking in the things of the world, condemnation, or you come and ask God to bring you into transformation. It's up to you. Because when God blesses you, I know this for a fact, God's blessed me. If, if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. If he can get it through you, he can get it to you because there's so much amazing people here that have got a lot to offer because this world's dying out there. The world's dying out there if you haven't noticed. But God's preparing a heart of people here of one accord with one love. No motive behind anything we do but to love him. The Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but to love him. What's the greatest attack of the enemy? Love. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Everyone lift your hands to heaven. It's you and God now. You and God. You don't beg him. You don't manipulate him. 
You don't tell him. You just receive them. He's a loving father. He loves you. What he's got prepared for you is amazing. Some people have been hit for six this week. But you, you have to understand, I don't belong to this kingdom. I don't belong to this world. I belong to his kingdom. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I have the mind of Christ. I break soul ties of people that I have connections with in relationships that are not of God right now. I cut them off right now by the sword of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you that where there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lack in someone's life, Father, you could fill that by your provision. In Jesus' name. Where there's traumas in someone's heart, mind, or soul, that you would fill that with your mercy and love right now in Jesus' name. Where there's a lack of trust, Father, I ask you to, they may trust you again in Jesus' name. The Bible says the word of God is like a double-edged sword, cuts through the, to the, to the soul, the spirit, and the bone and the marrow, straight through, penetrates your heart right now. Touch that place in their life, Lord. Father, I ask you for your anointing to touch people that just hunger for more. People have been hurt with people that they trusted, Lord, that you bring healing and forgiveness in that area in Jesus' name. People that have been taken advantage of and abused, Father, people in authority or maybe relationships or maybe someone that's come against you for no reason. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that you bring a, a trust back there again, that you would fill that void with your love right now in Jesus' name. Pray for those who have prayed for things that haven't come to pass yet and you've given up praying. And the Lord says to you, don't let condemnation take you out. The Bible says that don't stop doing what is right. Keep doing what is right in Jesus' name. I break fear of people, fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty, fear of the future. Come against that in their minds. Father, I come against that by the blood of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Any words spoken from doctors, Father, from leadership, from, from family, friends that have spoken and have, have taken penetration in your heart and soul, we come against that now in Jesus' name. Suicidal thoughts leave now in Jesus' name. Now you go. Jesus' name. Be gone. Father, now I ask you to open their minds to see you and only you, that they may experience the love of the Father, God the Father. What manner of love is this, that he would call us children of God, that he placed a love in us and says we are children of him, this great mighty Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you that disappointments will leave right now. Now give him eyes to see. See clearly now. There's some challenges coming up with some people. God's asking you to spend time with him because he's preparing you for what's to come. Be courageous in the Lord. Be courageous. Some of you have been hit with situations and circumstances and you've basically nearly given up or you thought, I can't do this. You can do this because he is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's a wave coming, a wave of God's move individually and collectively. Keep a good heart. When you see a brother or a sister get a healing or get blessed, please praise God for it. Don't come against it. Don't, don't say, woe me or what happened to me. Listen, be, have a heart of thanksgiving. Oh, no one but to love them. The Father loves you, man. You have a heart for Him. You have a heart for His children. God is so good, amen? Lord, I close this meeting with your love.
We seal it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. We lift up holy hands and we say, thank you, Abba Father. We love you. This is your, we are your children. We are your children. But we don't set our minds on the things of this world, but we set our minds on the things of heaven. Because his kingdom come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You are Lord. Amen. Be blessed. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap.